Welcome to Beyond the Gym, and thanks for tuning in. This is the alternative fitness forum for sharing ideas and experiences with personalities from all over the movement community. My name is Jordan Taves, aka the Posture Prince on social media, and I suffered chronic shoulder pain from the age of 15 to 25. It was alternative methods that allowed me to work my way towards pain-free movement with zero surgery, and I believe everybody deserves that same opportunity. It's time we took back control of our bodies. Let's dive in. All right, we are live. This is Beyond the Gym. I'm Jordan, your host, and today I have Alex with me. I'm sorry, Alex. I forgot your last name. It starts with an L, correct? Last name is Lukens. That's right. I got Alex Lukens with me. And he is a personal trainer, health educator, and multidisciplinary athlete with over 20 years of martial arts experience. He's also the founder of 47 Style, a movement program that provides a longevity-centered education for folks looking to define health on their own terms. His goal is a humble push for accessibility in the health, wellness, and fitness industry so that solving things like joint pain, injury, and the like can happen conveniently from home. In effect, his mission is to train others to not need him at all. Dude, even when I first read that bio, that resonated with me quite a bit because I always tell my clients, I'm like, I, if, if I'm a long-term trainer for you for any other reason, um, like if you are staying with me to get out of pain and it's been six months and you're still in pain, like something's not right. I'm not <laughs> If you want to stay with me to just keep going through the workouts, keep progressing within your movement journey and, and all that stuff. Great. But majority of the folks, I, I just want them to get out of pain and get back to living their life. So uh, it's really, really good stuff. And why don't you start off with just telling me, because 20 years of martial arts, that's a long time. I'm sure you've been through multiple different systems and, and explored, um, Maybe I know I know we we, we talked about at, um, oh and for everyone listening I actually got my rotational movement certification with David Weck um, at the same cert that Alex was at so that's how we met each other and connected and everything so go ahead and just just start off with your martial arts history. Sure, sure, sure. sure. So um, I started doing karate, uh, Korean tungsudo when I was about eight years old. Um, I told my dad I was like bored one day and he was like you're bored. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, all right, come on. So we got in his truck and we drove just down the street and he signed me up for karate. And I did that for a very long time. I got my second degree black belt there. Um, and then kind of um, fell out of practice with it just because of other things became more exciting to me. Like things like playing guitar, listening to music, hanging out with friends, things like that. And then um, a little bit puberty hit and I was like, I'm cool now. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and then, um, later on, uh, I got into, um, specifically Tai Chi. I saw some videos. I saw a bunch of stuff online, um, about this idea of people moving their bodies in the, in this way that created this insane effect that like, whether or not it's real or not, I don't, I still don't know the, the answer to that. But um, I was like, I'm super interested in that because it's, that's, that's what I want to do. So I sought out this guy in Philly um, who's from Taiwan, and I started training Tai Chi with him. Um, and I did that for probably two, two, two or three years. And then he was like, you ever think about doing Kung Fu? And I was like, I don't know what that is, but uh, sure. 
let's try it out. So you before you go on, um, what was that that thing that you're talking about with Tai Chi, the, the feeling or the Oh, so um I forget where I saw it, but I saw some video, I forget how like why I saw it, but um I saw some video online of this monk uh touching people and he would just knock them over with no effort at all. There was no strain, no uh sign of altercation. It was just, it looked like magic. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people online that like, you know, love tearing these people up in the comments, be like, that's bullshit. Um, you know, the, the students hyper cooperative and all this other stuff and she doesn't exist and that's that they have all their, their minds made up about that stuff. And while they might be right, I don't know yet. I'm still trying to, you know, play with that. And if, uh, someone comes along where they can whisk their finger at me and I fall over, like, how did you do that? You know? So, um, as a kid in puberty, that was so interesting to me. Right. So that's what I started seeking out. I didn't know who or what or why could do that um, and any of that stuff. But I just wanted to learn Tai Chi because it seemed uh, most accessible to do that, most accessible way to do that. Um, And then, yeah, he started teaching me Kung Fu. And uh, that struck a chord in me where I gave up everything else I was doing to like almost obsessively focus on it. I gave up guitar, I gave up playing in a band. I still listen to music to the same degree I always have, but like, it's, I'm not as, uh, into it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. As I, as I could do with, uh, Kung Fu. So that gave me, um, it gave me like a laboratory really to like experience and play and, uh, explore all these different parts of my body that could do all these different things and really give me, um, just a direction to really anchor myself. In. And uh, I've been doing that ever since. Okay, so and uh, by kung fu, is there, there was there a specific? Um, I don't know if they call it strains or, or styles and stuff like that. Yeah. So so I learned all this stuff as I went along. Um, like and because like and my that's a style. Yeah. Okay. So um, uh, for example, like uh, my uh, the style, the system I learned. Um, is a, it's like a composite of all these different styles. And from my understanding, that's a pretty unique thing in terms of Kung Fu, because Kung Fu is very, uh, I don't say dogmatic, but it's very loyal to its lineage. It's like, or maybe fraternal is a better word, but it's like, uh, my teacher studied this way. I studied the way my teacher studies. You're my student. You study the way I studied because he studied this way. So it's, it's very passed down the line that way. Um, and if you commit to one style, traditionally, um, you're pretty much committed to that and uh, exploring that to its depths. And uh, people will cross styles and stuff like that, but they usually do it on their own. Uh, what's unique about the system I learned is that it was already founded to be like a composite like that, where it had, a, it had one specific uh, style everybody would study but it would create offshoots from it to like give the body more context and give the body a little bit more uh, ways to be dynamic and things like that. Super so I've learned a whole bunch of different styles um, referencing the one main one we do. And it's, um, it's similar to kind of what we're in now. It's very similar to a functional movement. Yeah. yeah. And that's that, that kind of, um, and if you remember when we were doing our intros with uh Uh, with Dave and Chris, um, 
that's the kind of thing I, I can I pick out now. It's like I see similarities because I've been exposed to it in this different way. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, oh, um, like why are they doing it that way? That's I'm curious about that because I'm familiar with it here. How do you? What do you guys think of it? You know what I mean. So it's about that carryover, um, and that, and the way people start to integrate things on their own to create their own expression. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like you're more of a a fluid thinker, like you, or more divergent minded, like you can, like dogmatic is not, or dogma is is not appealing to you. I think it's to me, it's it's circumstantial. Um, I like to think like every every uh, approach has its own merits, right? Like there, there's significance in every approach and just whether or not we attach ourselves to it or we're able to um, see how it connects over here or see how it doesn't serve us at this point in time now, but maybe later. And you can kind of put the pieces together as you need to, um, to solve a problem. Yeah, dude, it definitely sounds like you're pretty, uh, you're a very fluid thinker. You can bounce back and forth and see value in everything. And um, I think that's, that's great. <laughs> I tried it, man. Thank you. <laughs> we, need more, we need more minds like that in this field. So, so you kind of have stuck with Kung Fu ever since. Have you traversed into grappling at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, just like every, so to your point, uh, everything has its limitations, right? Um, you can do th- something until the cows come home, but like at the end of the day, if you really want to excel at it and be masterful with it, you have to go outside of your comfort zone. And that doesn't mean just go to class all the time and go through the training. That means like, let's pressure test this. Let's put it to the test and see when it falls apart, how it falls apart, why it falls apart and put the pieces back together to make it stronger. Right? So with Kung Fu, we didn't really have a, um, sparring system. Traditionally, there is a sparring system for Kung Fu, but um, we don't really, nobody really exercises it nowadays. Um, They do something called push hands. Dave and Chris were doing that, um, which is like more of like a cooperative way to train sensitivity and and, uh, uh, offense and defense, but nothing like kicking and punching, for example. Uh, And MMA swooped in and took that over big time. But um, because I wanted to get better at uh, my Kung Fu skills, I started doing Judo. Um, and Judo is, um, it's a really intense sport from my limited experience. Uh, it is grappling. Um, it is very uncooperative. Um, and it requires a ton of skill to be able to execute a single throw, yet alone make it look beautiful, right? So um, I started doing Judo uh, to start to pressure test what I, what I learned in Kung Fu. And even like, actually side note, um, I remember when I was studying Kung Fu and I was like the most into it I was, uh, at this one point, these guys in Philly started, um, hosting these, uh, fight night meetups where (laughs) they, uh, they own this, um, warehouse where they would store their, um, they had like a food cart, a food truck. They had a warehouse where they like stored all their equipment in their, in their food cart. And they would pull it out and they'd open up this big mat and they would invite all different people from different disciplines and different styles to come in and fight. And we were protect, we were protection. It wasn't like a bloody flight club, flight club or anything like that. But like, we were like, you know, I wore like two ounce gloves and like a mouthpiece. Other people wore different stuff, but it was, it was really like no rules except like no gouging and no like 
below the belt, no breaking stuff. And there's like, you know, no weight classes. I was like 150 pounds, maybe. I went against like a 210 pound dude. And it was just, <laughs> it's just, it was just fighting. So that was like the experience I had with sparring and Kung Fu. And I was just like, I don't know what I don't know. I'm just going to rip punches and kicks with my experience and like see what happens. So it's not the safest by any means, but uh, <laughs> that was that was that was a unique experience for sure um but yeah judo is judo has given me the um the exposure to the stuff i want because it's like it's continuous training continuous contact uh cooperative uncooperative um you have to use technique you have to use skill uh people are bigger and stronger and faster and better than you and it's adapting so um i really really appreciate um being able to do judo and I'm, I'm starting to play with jujitsu um, just because it's an element of judo and also because it's very popular. Um, but uh, they're two different animals and uh, judo really gives me what I want, which is pretty cool. On the feet, like when you throw somebody, are you like just getting back up after? No. So they have, they have two phases. Um, uh, I have three phases, I guess. So if, are you familiar with who uh, John Donaher is? John Donaher, he is uh, probably the most intelligent person to refer to um, in terms of martial arts right now. He is, uh, he practices jujitsu. Um, he is a Columbia PhD uh, in philosophy. And um, he trains like Gordon Ryan and all those super uh, well-known people. Um, but the way he writes, and the way he articulates the sport is brilliant. And nobody comes close to touching him. Um, but he identified uh, in one of his books, like three phases of combat. There's like the standing and like trying to close the distance part. There is the uh, connection where you start to grapple the clinch and there's the ground fighting, right? So judo uses all three of those um, to what extent depends on the competition and to what extent depends on, uh, because it's a sport, how you score a point. So in judo, if I throw you on your back, I win the match and it's over. If I don't throw you on your back and you land in a weird way, I see people move like cats in the air. They like twist their bodies to land on their chest. It's crazy. Um, but if, if they don't land on their back, then in some other way, you can continue to fight on the ground similar to how jujitsu would. And you can uh, tap somebody out that way. No, wrestling's rad, man. Yeah, wrestling's a kind of a beast of its own, too. Um, so I want to hear now kind of where was the connection between you studying martial arts and how you studied upon a functional movement in biomechanics and got started with that? Sure. So um, when I was in college, I studied uh, anthropology and I studied archaeology. Um, and... Uh, that was what I was pursuing as a career at the time. I was um, doing archaeology in Philly. Philly is, you know, one of the most historic, uh, continuously occupied places in the country. Um, we were doing a lot of excavations here and, you know, um, doing that daily grind. And uh, 
the work at the time is unreliable because they would hire you for projects. And if a project ran out of money or if they didn't need people, they'd lay you off. Right. So I got laid off um, from doing a job here in Philly. And uh, I was like, I don't know what to do. Do I go back to doing archaeology? Do I work for a different company? Like, do I keep hustling like that? And I'm like, I don't really like it. I don't enjoy it. So um, I was talking to my Kung Fu teacher. And he was like, you know, take some time and start exploring stuff to see what you like doing. And I was like, that's okay. Simple enough. So I was researching online uh, fitness and uh, things around the city that, um, you know, spark some interest. And I found this guy in uh, South Philly who was writing on his website stuff about structure and function and uh, intelligent body movement and things like that. And I'm like, these are all vocab words um, I was using in my Kung Fu practice. Like, again, like just like uh, why David Wex stood out to me. It's like, how and why do you know this stuff? This is cool. Like, do you do martial arts? So I went in to see him and uh, he is kind of like a self-proclaimed uh, fitness guru who uh, came up in New York City and moved down to the city here in Philly and uh, started opening his own practice. And he uh, taught me everything I know about the basics of uh, alignment, of structure, of getting a body out of pain of uh, fitness. I didn't know a thing about fitness, um, about this whole other angle to approach um, healthy living with. And uh, I studied with him for a while and then I started working for him and I was a trainer on the floor and we like developed this whole program, this whole business, it was like a boutique studio, it was a small studio. Um, this whole program, this whole business um, and it was super fun and it was, you're learning something new every single day because clients were coming in. Like I didn't, they're like, I didn't know this kind of approach existed. I didn't know I could get out of pain at a gym and not go to physical therapy or go to a doctor. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't know either. It's pretty cool. Right? So, <laughs> so yeah, we were learning every single day, every single uh, client was like, you know, there are, there's carryover, but there's each client is unique and you learn something new. And it was, it was such a cool experience. That's and um, so, yeah, man. So uh, martial arts kind of carried over into that. And what was, uh, uh, did he have a, a system that he had originally studied or was everything kind of self, self-study from there? Yeah, so similar to like what you and I do, um, he created his own method. Um, it was called, it is called, he still, he still uses it. It's called Unlock, Repattern, Revitalize. Okay. And uh, what you would do is you would assess a person, you'd help them out with some MFR, uh, you'd um, teach them basic movement patterns, fundamental movement patterns with alignment, and then you'd train them. And it was a one, two, three, like easy way to go about um, helping somebody achieve fitness, get out of pain, or learn more about their bodies. And it was just the way it was, the way it was constructed was, it was super helpful to learn. Yeah, it sounds like a, a very, uh, yeah, it, it sounds similar to, to FP and how they structure their, their at least their 10-week online Yeah, course. yeah, no, I noticed that too. That was my, my experience was I came, I mean, I had a background in fitness for sure. I, was, I studied kinesiology in college and had my associates, but it didn't do anything for me. It didn't help me at all with my pain. So all of a sudden I'm doing this online course 
and this guy's talking about lacrosse balls and Theracanes and this and that. Mm-hmm. And he said, but whatever your routine is, your exercise, like, just stop it. Just give it a, give it a rest. The, the recommended uh, amount of time is three weeks, but I suggest you stretch it out to three months. And it, this was so backwards to me, like three months without working out. Um, and so it, then all of a sudden, you know, I, I did. I stretched it out to about two and a half months or something like that. Um, and 10 years of chronic pain was just gone like that. And then, That's then awesome. yeah. And then all of a sudden he's um, showing you how to do a row and a press with rotation and making it more mm-hmm. three-dimensional and non-linear and all that good stuff. And um, so I'm, that's cool that, that he structured it that way. Cause that's kind of like a, my opinion, that's a really good, I guess following those fundamentals is just a sort of a surefire way to get somebody at least turned on to how to problem solve you know, basic, basic low back pain, stuff like that. Um, exactly. After learning his system, what came next for you? So, um, COVID hit and, uh, we kind of disband pretty immediately. Um, we all started going our own, own separate ways. Um, and, uh, we all took our book of clients with us. So, um, that left all of us to our own devices to be like, okay, like, that method was his, we learned it, but it's his and like, it's his brand, his programming and stuff like that. Um, uh, how can I now develop my own thing to help people in a way that like, uh, leverages my, my talents and, um, is more unique to the way I understand things, the way I understand the body and the way I understand movement, uh, and things like that. So, um, because like, thank God, because I had this background in uh, specifically Chinese martial arts and Kung Fu, I was able to like really see things in all these diff- from all these different angles. And I was like, able to create all these different links and carryovers between things to like, see like, oh, that's what this is. This is what that is. This is how you explain this concept in a way that relates to fitness rather than some abstract thing over here in left field. You know, there's there's ways to connect the dots that made it, made it palatable. Um, so, uh, I started working with my clients again, basically from scratch to develop another program, uh, that could, um, achieve similar, if not the same results or better results, uh, from, uh, a system that I developed for myself. And, uh, it, I, to this day, I still continue to refine it and try to get it uh, more precise, more precise, more precise to make it as simple as possible for people. Cool. And that's, so you're talking about 47 style. So what, yes. uh, what sets, what sets your program and your, um, the mindset behind your program, like what sets it apart? Well, um, again, this is my limited understanding because I'm, I'm always trying to challenge myself and challenge, uh, what I think I know against what I don't know. So I look for people to like, always, I always try to look for people to prove me wrong, not directly, just like it already exists in this way or in this format, for example. Right. So, um, what I think right now sets, uh, this approach apart is that I like it's, you said in my, in my intro in my bio, it's like, I want people to have the information themselves. So they don't need me. They're their own. Uh, they're their own best source of information. If they need like a mentor or ask a question, they'll have the vocabulary now to ask an ultra specific question. 
instead of just going like, I don't know, it kind of hurts when I do this. And then if I look at the sun at a certain angle, this happens, right? They'll say like, I can feel my hip. I can feel my piriformis. I can feel the greater trochanter. And I know that there's something happening in the labrum, but I'm not sure. Like they have this vocabulary that we can discuss now and we can troubleshoot it that much faster. Okay. So um, I want people to develop this education. I want people to develop this this deeper uh, awareness of their own body. So even if they don't use me, they go to a doctor, they go to a physical therapist, they go to some other thing, they can still communicate what they're feeling in their bodies that much better. Self-empowering and also um, kind of giving like, a, like developing their kinesthetic intelligence, I would say. Is yes, like what you're brilliant word, yes. Okay, and that's that's so important and overlooked because like people's ki their kids intelligence these days is so low you know we spend so much mm -hmm. time in front of a screen and, and these modern behaviors that like we just whether or not we initially had an intuitive understanding of my hip my shoulder my back whatever now there is this disconnect and um i, I would say it's also partially like the general attitude of people wanting to be spoon fed their the concepts and ideas that resonate with them versus like critical thinking and discernment and all that stuff. So I do think that your, you know, your vibe will attract your tribe. So that you're going to have a, a beautiful clientele that really are um, putting in everything that they have and, and hopefully um, kind of supporting you in the process. And, and you, you know, it's like, I always feel like I learn just as much from my clients as they learn from me. And so there's there's that uh, just that cohesion there that's that's really cool. And one of the things that you said, um, I wanted to kind of tie into that was what's it? Oh, um, overlapping pursuit of skill-based sports with basic movement education. This is like. I think this is also what David Weck's trying to do, trying to um, incorporate biomechanics or functional movement and into um, sport-specific training and just giving everybody a chance at, at bettering, not the, their skill within the sport, but just their movement in general, and it, by extension, their overall quality of life. Yeah. So, and how, how do you... Like, because I know you're more in the world of martial arts. How do you go about that right now? Like, if you have an athlete that approaches you, are you just kind of trying to bring them through your system and apply and get them to, like, do you have a system set up for that, for athletes specifically? Yeah, so this is a, this is a really fun topic. So um, to me, the way, the, where my brain would start here is the whole concept of how fitness is being sold. And you would look at, and I, I listened to uh, your previous two podcasts, and I remember uh, in your in your first episode, episode one, you were discussing the paradigm shift happening right now, right? So um, thinking about how fitness is being sold, traditionally, you, me, everybody alive right now has been sold fitness as bodybuilding uh, since Arnold Schwarzenegger showed up. We think being uh, physically fit is creating a physique, creating muscles, and deadlifting, squatting, bench pressing, using machines in the gym, right? I didn't grow up, I grew up 
exposed to that, but I never liked it. I never was never interested in it. Um, I was the karate dork, you know, like I, that's what I, that's what I was attracted to. Um, but there's still a way to achieve general physical preparedness and athletic build, um, muscles, all those same things with a different approach. And it's not necessarily martial arts. Um, it's base, it's human locomotion. That's like a better way to approach physical health and bodybuilding is in my opinion. Right. Bodybuilding gives us this one direction to head in. Like I'm going to go there. My body's going to turn out this way and that's normal. Right. I am healthy. I have achieved uh, a level of fitness. Martial arts using the concept of martial arts, not martial arts like kicking and punching and all that other stuff. The concept of uh, the it as a framework or it as a template. It's more accessible for people um, the way it leverages people's differences. You look at UFC, for example, right? Like um, you weigh in and you have different weight classes for different types of people. And as an individual, you can fluctuate between different weight classes, which require different levels of skill, different techniques. And you have to be on your game to be able to adapt in all these different ways. Men, also men and women, men fight different from women. Women are so much more tactile. They're so much more skillful and technical and in my opinion, capable than men in a martial arts setting. And there's that to consider as well. So when you're looking at an athlete, um, say you're looking at like a, a, a football athlete, right? Something I'm, I'm unfamiliar with football, but I understand mechanics, right? It's helping the football athlete understand like, all right, bodybuilding is working. You're strong, you're huge, you're on the field. You have to be at least 250 pounds to be on the field and play. That's like a requirement, right? But how can we make your body more adaptable? Where and what and why do we have to scale? Do I pull this back? Do I stop putting compressive loads on your shoulders and making you, you move down and up? Instead, do I make you move front and back and figure out footwork and rotation relative to that footwork, right? So we ditch the uh, squat rack and we do something else, right? What that is is relative to the athlete, right? Um, a bench press. Bench press is great for pushing people. How does your skeleton work under load? Is it articulating? Is it stiff? Are you doing that really, I don't know what it's called, but that really weird bench press where people arch their backs and get all that space between the lumbar spine and the bench. And they like, are they doing that? Why? I don't know. Yeah. It's a powerlifting style, right? Is that, does that carry over to something explosive and dynamic, like blocking somebody on a football field? I don't think so personally, right? So looking at martial arts, I'm not going to teach this person to be a fighter, but I'm going to take the idea of scalability of making your workout relative to your body and figure that out, figure it out that way. Train smart. Yeah. Always, 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 always. said that really and actually it's two things that you said that are kind of similar one of them was alignment isn't always necessary or even practical so correct that would just probably set off a lot of people and so uh, partially partially the reason why i did that yes yeah, yeah I love it. and then the other one uh was optimal movement isn't the key to longevity which that yes. was the whole 
locomotive community would just lose their minds. So I'm, I'm curious mm -hmm. for you to dive into both of those. So speaking from personal experience, right? Uh, I, I found these things in, in the web um, because they stuck out to me in my experience. Uh, with um, Kung Fu and with my first, first exposure to functional fitness, right? I learned uh, everything starts, all basic training starts with alignment. In Kung Fu training, you stand in horse stance for 30 minutes and you make sure you're aligned. You do a punch, you hold it, you make sure you're aligned. When you're helping somebody get out of pain, their first, the first thing they, you, they learn is, can you align your ankle, your knee, and your hip? And can you stand with better structure, right? Mm -hmm. What the trap I fell into and uh, a trap that, um, you know, subconsciously I led some of my clients into, and then I started seeing it everywhere else because of like, I was just sensitive. So I was aware of it is that people started believing, oh, if I am always in alignment, I will always be out of pain. If I always walk around like a robot almost right? And I hold this contrived structure. That means I am more optimal, or that means I am, I am doing it right. And I'm putting all these in quotations for people who can't say, <laughs> um, and that limits your performance. That limits, that limits your output. That limits your, uh, your experience of being human, that experience, that limits, uh, reality, you from reality. The way, like, I, who am I to say this, right? But the way I understand the way, the way I understand reality works is that it's very dynamic, it's complex, it's constantly changing, and it's constantly demanding you to keep up with it. And if you're in alignment all the time, you're not going to keep up with it. Your body has to be able to adjust and be robust and bulletproof enough to account for those situations. Uh, for example, if I go running, um, in the woods, I like to go trail running and the terrain changes often seasonally, monthly, weekly, daily, right? There have been so many instances where I'm running, jumping, you know, jumping on this rock, flying off that rock, whatever, whatever, whatever. And so many instances where I feel like back in the day, my ankle would bust crack. My femur would pop through my leg and I'd be out there for the bears. Right. But because of this training, Everything's so like the environment's so complex and unpredictable. Your ankles become shocks. Your knees are tracking in certain ways to agree with your hip. You don't feel lumbar compression as much as you used to because you have to change your position to account for something that wasn't there yesterday, right? All of that, uh, all of that um, unpredictable stuff can't exist if you think, oh, I have to run in alignment because that's what the coach told me to do. So I stay out of pain. Does that make sense? No, totally, totally. So, go on, go on. No, 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 no. so that, that was a trap I fell into. It's like, all right, if I try to hold my center line and run with my center line, uh, that's, that's what he told me to do. I will be out of pain. I am more optimal, more efficient, but then, um, gonna get hurt if I have to adjust for something I wasn't preparing for. Right. So that leads into the, um, the optimal thing as well. It's, and it kind of, it's in my mind, it's married to this idea of how fitness is sold. People sell, they're selling optimization. What that means 
uh, there's no, there's like, you don't arrive at perfection. You don't arrive at optimal. Like one day I, my mechanics are now optimal. Then what, right? You don't arrive at perfection. It's a, it's an idea. It's a concept that you constantly chase and try to try to get after, but it's, it, you're never going to get it. But if you're obsessive like me, or you're interested enough, you're always going to work towards it. Right. Yes. Yes. And you're, and you're, you're putting, yeah, you're putting it there on purpose because you're nuts, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's the idea. So like with, um, like I, like, uh, I have a lot of clients now that I'm, um, training out of education they've had with other coaches that where they're stuck like that. They're like, but he told me to do it this way. And it's like, that, that is good. That works. You have to start with alignment. You build with alignment but you have to teach the body context. You have to take it away from alignment. So it subconsciously understands what alignment is. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it's if it's always, yeah, if it's always consciously controlled, if it's always contrived, if it's always like intentional, it's never going to like, for lack of a better term, seep into your nervous system. It's never going to be part of it. Because it's conscious intervention. It's compartmentalization. Correct. I was just, I actually, this is my second uh, episode that I've recorded today. And I know you listen to Art of Move, right? Uh, I, I don't, I haven't listened to him, but I dig his stuff. I've seen him on Instagram. I like interact with him as much as possible. He's a really cool dude. Okay. So, and because uh, I, I saw that you posted something from Anthony, the body moves on uh, on your page. So I just assumed you checked out the podcast. But anyways, I, I interviewed um, uh, Will today. Nice. Dr. William, and um, we, this is exactly what we were talking about, and awesome. I think that the, the body has this universal adaptability to it, and it's the conscious intervention in the first school. Of, I mean, like, to even go a little bit more um, cosmic perspective on this, like, mm -hmm. we were talking about how intent is the driving force behind all movement and like, you know, sure. what you are trying to do basically. And as we shift further and further away from a natural lifestyle, that intent also shifts. And so mm -hmm. the, those optimal movement patterns that existed when we were, when we were in nature and we were still hunter gatherers or whatever, um, it, it's now it's different everything's different. It's yeah, like it's, we, we compartmentalize yeah. to, to grasp our current reality, um, be it social dynamics or um, just about anything. We have to compartmentalize just to be able to, to even normalize. And Correct. So it's like, this is how we've, we've lived our whole lives. This is how we've survived up to this point. And now all of a sudden you're telling me that like, pretty much everything I've ever been, or how do I put it? The way that I move is wrong. And it's not that there is like a right, perfect way, um, which I'm sure there is. And, and you know, it, it's kind of that bridge between what was optimal in nature versus what's, what's now optimal in the modern lifestyle, which we won't figure out for a while. But um, you shoot yourself in the foot repeatedly by first like getting into fitness and kind of just figuring I, I need to move my body and like get healthy. Mm -hmm. So then you, you go towards conventional methods 
and you develop holding patterns within those methods, right. you know, stiff biceps, stiff pecs, um, all the things that we see with pretty much that are consistent with most people that are coming to us in pain. And then you get to the point where, okay, now I'm, I need to problem solve and get myself out of pain. So I'm going to think my way through this. And so you learn about alignment and maybe uh, core development to stabilize the spine, all that stuff. And then mm -hmm. you hopefully at some point end up learning about um, locomotion and learning yeah. to, to walk better and even just address the way that you walk and, and posture and, and all that stuff. And I think if you really dig deep enough, eventually you hit a point where you just have to start letting go letting go of everything that you've ever developed or tried to develop. And your whole goal within training is not um, to do more and to develop more patterns, but to let go of the old patterns and, and break up whatever existing patterns there are that you still haven't been able to address. And, and that's where I think that like, like for example, dogma can in, within a system can be very limiting to somebody because although there may be an optimal form of locomotion, the terrain of life uh, constitutes the, I mean, we just, we need, we need universal adaptability. We don't just need optimal adaptability. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, that's awesome. It's hard to, to kind of hang up, hang up your hat with one system when, when you go out into nature and you experience real life, you know, not a flat sidewalk or a flat turf. Field right. You are stepping on rocks. Like literally me and Dr. Will were talking about stepping on rocks today for like 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's, here's what I think. I think eventually the journey has to become your own. Either that yeah. or you hit a point where you're not in pain anymore and you have enough comfort to like go about the rest of your life because you're not movement obsessed like us. That's the goal, man. Yeah. It's get people feeling confident and safe and then coach or guide them to do their thing that they love. Man, that's the goal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Create a yeah. generation of self-sustained movers is kind of like my thing that I want for people. And I love that. Um, Another thing that I talked about with Dr. Will today was basically that like my approach will be the, the sensory side of things and the experience of movement itself, because regardless of the movement system or the exercise program that you're in, if you don't understand what you're supposed to be feeling and what yeah. the feeling of what you're supposed to be working towards, like you don't, you don't have an internal map. You maybe have a, a visual map, mm -hmm. but if if muscle contraction con contractile dominant mindset is like where i'm at that's extremely limiting if um hydrating myofascial slings and um moving through those those 12 different lines or whatever is kind of like your main focus point much much better than contractile dominant but still it can be limiting you can still form yeah. patterns within that and holding uh compensatory patterns and so like my goal is to, to get people or at least get a few people to that point where they're no longer searching for any feeling. They're searching for the feeling of nothingness and just absolute fluid 
movement that is uh, no longer well. You you always have to consciously intervene so that you don't. You know, of course, that's part of the strategy. Yeah. Yeah. You, whether you, so you know when to absorb shock versus produce it and whatever. But like getting back to where it's a little more instinctual and intuitive versus um, read out of a book or something like that. Yeah. 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 Makes the sense. whole the whole goal is to, I mean, uh, for all of us, I think right now is to hack the nervous system in a way, like where we figure out the best way to get it back to its like uh, its factory made components, like get us you know, towards something we're trying to eat or get us away from danger and how we can do that in the most efficient way possible. You know, it's like, um, when you're trying, like, think about all those examples you just, you just, uh, presented, like if you are, uh, you know, anterior chain dominated, for example, dominant, for example, right. And everything, and all your muscles are super stiff. They're on high, they're dehydrated and you're, you think you've achieved fitness, right? Cause that's what, that's what you, that's, what you work towards somebody's going to show up and they're going to quote unquote get the food faster than you and their body's going to reflect how they did that and then that guy's going to be like damn uh what am i missing in my training and that curiosity is what starts to like, i think align with what you were talking about that sensory part of things where you start to get curious and feel like oh that guy could do this and i there's no way i feel fear when i think of doing something that guy did Right. Or I feel hesitation. Right. So like something like that might show up and that might get that guy thinking like, all right, maybe this suit of armor I'm wearing isn't as good as that guy's. How do I change it up? And that kind of idea, like, you know, just in introducing that to people to get them to start feeling and thinking on their own and making their own decisions based off of what their goals are. You know, like I know plenty of people who are totally down with just being jacked and walking around and they love it. And I'm not going to intervene with that. Like, dude, do you? And if you're ever in pain, let me know. I hope I can help. But like, I think you look great. Yeah. And then also, we all have our, our habits that aren't necessarily like the most healthy for us. It's just what serves us in the way that we correct. need it to. That's so like for me, I probably shouldn't be wrestling anymore, you know, after all the injuries that I've sustained. But at the same time, there's just a very deep, uh, well, maybe probably primal part of me that wants to get to a point where eventually I can step on the mat and go a hundred percent and try and, you know, see how far I can push it. Like I know there's like senior Olympics, so I'm like, okay, maybe I'm a late bloomer. <laughs> maybe this yeah, is going awesome. happen 20, 30 years down the line. You never know. Yeah. I mean, uh, in my opinion, there are ways to train at a hundred percent and have that be longevity based, have that be restorative. It's just, figuring that out and troubleshooting that and then uh having the the, the courage to step in the ring and, and pressure test it something that jordan peterson said that really interested me was that he said part of the grow are actually i'm definitely paraphrasing here this was, <laughs> this was like a TikTok. so um but he said that part of the growing process is us doing dangerous things care carefully and i love that video portion of it was just a bunch of clips of little kids like scaling you know the drawers in, in a in a cabinet or like climbing the outside of the stairs like holding on to the railings and they're like you know little two and three year olds 
Mm-hmm. And he, I think he might have been talking about how, like, you need to kind of let the kids do that stuff so that they can develop naturally. Because it's like, how how do you get high levels of balance and coordination? Probably by like doing stupid stuff and just like playing as a as a very young, you know, like you. There's doctors who believe that the embryological phase it goes way past birth, you know, and it, some believe it just never ends. Oh yeah, we're always, we're always developing and growing, and so it's like if 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 we can articulate ways to do things that we never thought we could um, in a safe context, then like why wouldn't we? And why would we just go to the gym and like do the same same things that we feel comfortable in every day? There is no growth there. Maybe there's like growth of muscle tissue, but yeah, there's ego growth for sure. And like, you're, you're scratching a niche and you feel good about yourself. And that's important for a lot of people. And like, I support that. But like, at the same time, I'm not dismissing that at all. But at the same time, like there's other stuff. And there's more ways to do that. But if that's not your goal, or if that's not what you're interested in, go sit in a box and go up and down with weight and push PRs and get after it. Like, do it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel exactly the same with me. Like, if it works for you, go ahead. Mm-hmm. But when I, I working in a commercial gym setting, I just try yeah. to become the pain guy that everybody goes to. Um, I think it's a really smart idea, too. By the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's. I mean, it's. Yeah. You know, like I don't. I'm not a big salesy guy. I don't. I don't like to try and bullshit people. Um, but by as a byproduct of me kind of putting myself out there in that sense, like I ended up with a lot of geriatric clients, a lot of people cool. in their 60s, 70s, and even uh, a couple in their 80s. And I see how we all end up. I see <laughs> all, the meds, all the all the discomfort and, and the, the acceptance and the um, complacence in it like this is just their reality and it sucks and they're gonna yeah. take pain meds for the rest of their life because of stuff they did 30 40 years ago um, mm-hmm. and so it's hard for me to to as somebody who experienced high levels of pain for years at a time in like my teenage years i already yeah. went so like that's that's not the most common thing ever and so communicating that to somebody who's also my age who didn't experience that is really tough and it, and it i want to let them go and just do their own thing but at the same time i feel conviction to at least communicate hey i work with lots of old people of course, yeah. if you don't address these things life will suck like, like mm-hmm. it's one thing to have a little pinch in your shoulder when you go to military press like 60 pounds on either side <laughs> it's another thing when you can't like lift up your coffee and take a sit because you have a shoulder replacement that went already and, and just whatever you know what i mean like life changes so fast yeah you can't prevent everything you can't control all the variables but at the same time like you can you can set yourself up for uh, the best possible outcome, you know, like, like it, it, it reminds me of all the, when you learn about how, um, when in drunk driving accidents, like the drunk person is usually the most okay, not because, um, anything they did consciously, but because their body was more relaxed. And so they yeah. just like, absorbed all the shock better versus <laughs> trying to like fight everything. And, um, 
like be resistive and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's like it, you can set your body up in a way where it's like it, that's the best. Uh, that's the best security that you can give yourself in life as is training for functionality and all that. So stuff. that that actually leads into uh, the second question you asked me about um, being optimal, mm. um, and that's pretty much why I said that. Um, because, uh, there's this guy, actually, you should check him out. Um, he's, he's a MD and he, I think he's a professor at university of Southern California. His name's Dr. Gerald Loeb, L O E B. Um, and he is a doctor of biological cybernetics. Um, and he wrote this journal. You can just Google it. It's called, uh, it's called optimal. Isn't good enough. And basically what he discusses, and this is the, this is the, the conceptualization of uh, 47 styles program um, borrowed from that article is that optimal solutions do not exist. Why? Because the brain, once it learns something and it understands something and it can compartmentalize something, it looks for the next option. It's just the way it works. Mm, right? True. So, yeah. The best case scenario um, for any human being with a brain is that you can just be good enough because you'll go through trial and error learning to improve. Mm. I can pick up a coffee cup with a frozen shoulder and kind of drink it. If my end have my forearm taped to my rib cage, I can still do it. Right. Mm. Because all those conditions are happening. It's the most optimal situation right now. I start to relieve my frozen shoulder, I untape my arm and it changes. And then I have more mobility and then I learn how to use my body. And then I don't even have to use my body. Anymore. I can psychically lift a cup up and drink it. It just keeps, <laughs> it keeps evolving to the next thing. Yeah. So it goes back to the carrot and stick thing that we were talking about earlier and also uh, ties in with um, your, your geriatric clients so um, that there's a goal and we can lead you towards being better than you were yesterday. But it's always constant improvement. It's always constant adaptation. You're never arriving. Yeah, I get that's a question that I get all the time. It's like, well, how long is this going to take? And I just I try to not have like a master Shifu answer for them and, and <laughs> you know, actually give them like a, a real option three to six months, depending on their situation. But at the same Correct. time, yeah, exactly. I'm like, look, your body's the one thing you're stuck with for the rest of your life. So mm -hmm. the one thing that you should always be in pursuit of is moving your body better. That's Correct. because again, you will never reach perfect. Um, yeah. Oh, this is off topic, but do you know Connor Milstein? Yes. How? So, um, he was a, a trainer. Um, at the gym that I was talking about earlier. Um, oh. So the gym was called Zakti and um, the owner of the gym was Pete Mattis or is Pete Mattis. He still, he still runs and owns the studio. Um, Connor, just like me, uh, came back from his adventures in the world and found Pete for similar reasons. And was like, what do you do here? This sounds pretty cool. And started working with Pete that way. And then I came in the door through a different means. What do you do here? It sounds pretty cool. And we met through Pete and through Zakti. That's wild. Because mm -hmm. like I brought up Jordan Burroughs at the David Wexer 
and I was asking uh, Chris Chamberlain about training him and all that stuff. And then I connected with Connor on Instagram, possibly maybe through, he saw something on your page with me or something like that. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. um, but all of a sudden I look at his profile and he's training Jordan Burroughs. I'm like, what? Man, yeah, it's pretty cool, right? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, okay. Sorry, I just, that was a personal curious question. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, what else? Oh, something that I love that you said was developing a relationship with posture and exploring that dirt. This is not your words. This is me paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. Developing a relationship with posture and exploring that during movement and not at a desk. So yes. can you expand on that for somebody who needs like layman's terms? So um, go back to conscious control, conscious control strategies and subconscious control strategies, right? The brain works by uh, toggling between both. The way, and the way I always bring it back to the way fitness is sold because that's where we're getting most of our information uh, from Instagram, from the internet. Um, the way fitness is sold uh, with these posture hacks or these posture ideas, are usually contrivances and they're usually conscious control strategies. They say the best way to sit at a desk is with your hips under your rib cage and your spine long with your skull on top of your ribs and et cetera. And you have a nice core, right? Like they break it down in their own way. I'm consciously trying to adjust my body and I have to fight for it all the time. And then I get pissed off because I'm still in pain. I still find myself slouching. I spent hundreds of dollars on Amazon getting all these different gizmos and gadgets to hike my computer up or adjust my chair, or do all these other things in my external environment to, to make up for my just lack of lack of strength or stability in my body. Right? So what I mean by exploring posture while moving is to give that resting posture, your sitting posture context. So your body understands like point A and point B and everything in between. You have to move it and you have to move it with some sort of awareness, some sort of intelligence or train it in, a, in some sort of specific way. Otherwise, resting posture is not going to compute to your brain as something to rely on. It's going to always be a contrivance, right? Correct. And then you're always going to get frustrated and you're always going to not reach your goal. Or you're always going to have some sort of thing standing in the way of, of whatever it is you want. So what I mean by that is when you're moving, that is, that is go back to what we talked about earlier with complexity or without complexity or anywhere in between all of that stuff, all of that input you're putting into your brain, your nervous system is what's going to instruct all the different things you do, if it's taking off and sprinting, if it's squatting down and resting, if it's laying on your bed. Like I know people have problems sleeping and they're always curling up to balls and putting their head under their armpit and their knee into their ear. And they're like, ah, I sleep like a maniac and I'm in pain every morning. And other people are like, I'm trying to sleep on my back and I'm trying to train myself to do it this way. Like your body has to, ex all of those complexities have to exist, all of those attempts at changing have to exist outside of that one little context that you're trying to achieve it. Um, it's more, more or less, if I made it real simple, it's more or less like the way to measure your success out there in the world is to see how you rest. 
you get a read on do I, all right, if I just, I just kicked my ass in this way out there today in the world. Um, I trained this way. I walked this way. I ran this way. I did X, Y, and Z. I'm just going to get curious and see how I sleep now when I go to bed. And then you start to see like, oh, When I let it all come to a rest and my body has to organize itself, does it? Yes, that. That, you know, yeah. So it's flip side of that. I feel like, especially if you don't stick with one system and you're doing lots of different stuff, you only benefit from long term from from any movement technique, MFR, whatever, if you learn from it. Like if if you pull something, if it's a new kind of pressure, like a new kind of tension that you've never felt before. If it's a new muscle, if it's um, a, a specific movement pattern or a kind of like a degree of rotation that you've never experienced before, <laughs> like that's why you need all different kinds of exposure because you never know just how many holding patterns you have. Like I personally right. we probably have like thousands. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a zillion. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous when you when you start deep diving, and so like if you're gonna do any kind of functional anything, like you have to be aware that you're trying to get adjustments to to stick by searching for something in the movement, not the movement itself, but like Correct. what did your body need to pull from it? Because I have you know a hypermobile high arch kind of a funky body type and so like i'm gonna experience go to movements completely different from the next guy and mm -hmm. we both need to have our own like like we both have could benefit a lot from a specific movement but we need to know um or we at least need to search for something within that movement that's specific to us yes yeah you need some sort of some sort of uh some diagnostic, some read to give you mm -hmm. your brain, give your body like a home base for sure. Yeah. And I, and I find myself, you know, I, I move from one concept to the next one body part to the next. And then I'm like, all right, TVA retract it. I've got it. I understand what it feels like, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then I won't touch my TVA for like a year and then I'll come back to it. And I know all these other things now because I'm still pursuing knowledge and whatnot. Um, and also my body feels different because it's, I'm, I'm forcing it to adapt to so many new things that coming back to that TVA retraction, it's like a completely different experience. And then I'm like, Whoa, like I can't really ever write off anything ever. Like I always have to be ready to come back and explore something because you may be, uh, holding on to something that you had no idea. And then you, exactly. you, you have that, um, that fluid th mindset, right? And you come back to it, and and again, it's just all gains, gains. All it's day. always gains. Yeah, that's the goal, at, at least. Yeah. Yeah, without the pains. <laughs> what does Dave say? Dave says every step is a rep. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly, man. Like that. Yeah. So like using your your like TVA example, um, like something I would train myself to do, right? To like play with that. If that was a target of, if that was like a focus of mine. I would see, all right, this is my basic of, of creating pressure or whatever and feeling everything. I got it. Now, can I go find it while I'm doing judo? Mm. Can I feel it when all of this chaos is happening around me? I'm not trying to. I'm not like, you know, 
doing something I would do stationary and laying on my floor by myself, the lights off. I'm like getting my ass kicked, but can I still feel it? Yes or no. And then that to me would say like, all right, it, it is, it's robust enough and it ca it's carried over to, um, to when you most need it. Right. Versus it's just circumstantial and exists in this specific context. That's a breakthrough moment. Whenever that happens, when something does carry over. Oh yeah. And you have to kind of, it's like, okay, now I, I've got it somewhat. So then like mm -hmm. how long before it becomes an unconscious subconscious thing that it's just, correct. It's just there. It's just there all the time. That to me is like, if you ever seen like a superhero movie, when they like realize they have superpowers for the first time, they're like, wow, like, holy shit, that was cool. They always do that too. They look down. Yeah, they're like, look. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how it feels, man. Like when you, when you're not thinking about it, you're not worried about it. You're not looking for it and it shows up. You're like, I am the man and you feel so good. And like, that is, that's, that's, that's what I look for. That's awesome to me. Yeah, those moments are like so substantial every time. It's just like, yeah, yes, dude, I am 1% better today for sure. Exactly, exactly. It's super cool. Okay, dude, I want to give um, any listeners who are looking for something specific that they can try from your system, and I'll give you something that I saw, and then if you feel like you got something better, um, mm -hmm. go ahead and throw it out there. But I saw something about a daily reset um, and kind of discerning whether or not you, your body's in fight or flight or if it feels safe. And I forgot the other word that you use, but, um, what would that look like for someone? So, um, you know, bringing in some of my martial arts background, um, and this is like, I don't, I don't like using this word. And I remember you mentioned it in your other podcast as well, but holistic, um, it has so many things attached to it. I, I really try to avoid it, but um, in, uh, Chinese Kung Fu, Chinese martial arts, it's so well designed. It's so quote unquote holistic that there's everything built into it. And it's, so I draw a lot from it. Um, but to answer your question, um, something I've picked up from Chinese martial arts is breathing right. and understand, understanding how to anchor your breath. And what does that mean? So anchoring your breath is a exercise that we do while we're training and like holding these like super long aligned horse poses for like, you know, whatever. Um, and it's how you start to become more sensitive and aware of your body breathing on its own. And then where your body likes to breathe from. So a lot of people um, can't feel their breath at all. They're just like in a dark space. Where the hell am I? A lot of people, when they start uh, trying the exercise, they'll breathe into like their neck or they'll breathe into like their upper shoulders. A lot of people breathe pretty well and they'll breathe into like their like diaphragm area, solar plexus somewhere a little lower. But ideally you get that TVA pressure building and it's not an exaggerated active breathing. It's very passive and in, your mind is in observation mode. It's not consciously doing it. So what I would suggest for people is learning naturally wherever you start from just close your eyes sit there and feel where your body breathes into on its own and then without controlling it without trying to intentionally steer it in one way or another notice what happens to the breath as you relax more does it change in speed does it get deeper does it change in its location does it anchor lower 
and how do you become more aware of that process in your day to day so it happens uh, faster, it happens sooner. And um, that anchoring of the breath is what really helps people with anxiety, it helps people with stress, it helps people uh, gain this uh, sense, this idea of sensitivity, like something you were talking about earlier, identifying these dark spots that exist in their bodies. Like you can use that same technique to identify like, oh, when I rotate, I can't feel any sort of contraction in my lap. And I didn't know I couldn't feel that until I was more aware and more sensitive to my breath, for example, right? So it carries over to all these different things, but it starts with just being still, being silent and just noticing what's already happening without interfering. That's right. Um, Thanks, man. For anybody who feels like they struggle to even get into a space where they could meditate or they could uh, turn off all the voices, um, I just learned about something called brown noise. And you can go on Spotify or Apple or whatever and look it up. And it's, it's super, it's a weird, I, I don't even know how to describe the sound. But brown noise, and it's like a, it'll just kind of be in the background, and it'll help you get into that mind state. Um, is it like um, uh, like a box fan? They have like box fan tracks, or like air conditioner tracks. I'm gonna play, you know, because it's what I was doing <laughs> right before this podcast. I had a little too much caffeine today, and so I was in a weird zone where I was like, all right, I have too much static going on in my head. But this is what it sounds like. Yeah, a box fan. That's pretty. It's a box fan. Yeah. Literally, I don't know why yeah. I couldn't describe that. I, uh, but yeah, that there's like two-hour playlists on Spotify. That's just a suggestion. But totally, like with the with the breath. I, even earlier with Doctor Will today, I, we were talking about the diaphragm specifically. I think it's possibly if you're gonna try and center your approach around one specific muscle or body part to start training, I think the diaphragm is a great place to, to oh, start yeah. training at. And um, he was just saying like within his training, he's able to, he's doing uh, Brian Mirabella, who had, it used to be tensegral breathing. I don't know what he is now, but. I know who he is, yeah. Um, he just told him to do a three second in, three second out through the nose. Um, when he's when he's running, mm -hmm. he just maintain that pace no matter. And his body, his movement will eventually like have to match that pace because you can't. That's super cool. You can't push past a certain point. And he said, as he did that, one his threshold did go up, and he got better at it and all that stuff. But also, he could just feel sen sensory, like he could feel a lot more in his body, um, just by keeping. I think it's what it is is when your breath syncs up properly with your movement mm -hmm. you're now no you no longer have um your body's in this sort of rhythm flow state and and neurologically like everything's as connected as it could be currently so it makes like, perfect sense we're literally feeling the most you can ever feel so a breath breath work is a, is a great place for anybody to start even if you're not into the whole fitness realm and all that stuff for sure alex this was Awesome, dude. Thank you so much. No, I really appreciate the opportunity, man. This was really fun. Totally. Yeah. Can you can you list off real quick the course options that you have available for anybody listening? Like, um, I know that you had like the four week and that was actually you have a bunch of different options. So just run through it real quick. Yeah. So basically the way it works is that um, I like to uh, help people decide on a goal. 
and I like to attack that goal um, with training blocks. And training blocks are three month long uh, sections where we try to um, uh, either attack a, a um, deficiency in your movement based on an assessment or help you with something ultra specific and standing out like you're, you are in chronic pain. And um, it's all based on an assessment, it's all based on a uh, consultation, a conversation. Um, and it's always trying to get you um, towards whatever, whatever you're trying to achieve as soon as possible. So the, the, the different types of programs are just there for people who wanna buy a one-off thing to test something out or something like that. But usually, and I always uh, lobby for, everything should be unique and built to the person. And that's where I like to start. And I always like having a conversation with them first for that reason. And pretty much all the courses have some sessions included, correct? All the courses have sessions. I break all those sessions down into education sessions and smoker sessions. Um, education sessions are hour long sessions just to like understand the programming, understand what you're doing relative to you. And the smoker sessions, that's a term I borrowed from uh, Muay Thai. Um, in Muay Thai, if you're going to like spar other gyms in the area, they'll just do quick like skirmishes, skirmishes or something like that and just, you know, size each other up and fight that way. So I borrowed that because I wanted to be to have the intention of training where there's no thinking, there's no conscious control, there's uh, more of a complex environment and you're really pushing your comfort zone, your comfort level to understand something that, uh, understand something intuitively, subconsciously that um, you might be in your way with. Uh, if you're learning consciously, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. That's awesome. Um, and if you if you do happen to move out here, we definitely need to connect and absolutely and, uh, maybe collab on some stuff. Um, I'm gonna check out Octo Moves, Human Garage, and Dr. Gerald Loeb. Thank you for yeah, on to all of those. And your website is uh, it's is it. F-O-R-T-Y-S-E-V-E-N style.com. Yep. Yeah. It's all 47 styles spelled out, uh, no spaces, and there's no U in 40. And your Instagram <laughs> tag is uh, without dot, a hero, a dot, wait, you go ahead and spell it out. <laughs> yeah. So my, yeah, my Instagram tag is without a hero. Um, you'll see my name. It just says Alex underneath with a ninja. Um, and without a hero is again, it's aligned with this whole uh, perspective I take on fitness is that, um, there is no correct way to do something. It's just understanding how to get better. And there's no sense in attaching yourself to any person or any dogma or any tradition, um, because it's sooner or later, it's going to end up, uh, getting in your way. So without a hero comes from that idea. And is it kind of like a sort of like you don't want to be someone's hero you just want to spread the word and guide them towards something better ideally yes ideally like um you know i've uh experienced um big egos and uh gurus and people who think they're the answer and uh that just uh, if i'm thinking of the person i'm thinking of the person trying to improve their their sense of their quality of life right that person is standing in the way of that person trying to improve because they want the recognition, right? So it's trying to educate the person to look past the people standing in their way, even if it's sometimes yourself. If like my ego gets in the way of myself, which it does, right? Use that as a, as a, uh, as a point in time, like a perspective to look past. 
use it as like a as a as a, a, a thing in the road, a marker, a marker. And then you can look past your own ego sometimes, sometimes you can't. But it's just that it's a constant reminder to myself. It's basically an Instagram handle for myself as a reminder to myself. It's like, don't be that uh, guru for people. Don't be that answer for people. Teach people how to do it themselves. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, call myself a poster, <laughs> Dude, yo, who says it? Kanye or Jay-Z, but they go, sometimes you need your ego, man. And I 100,000% agree with that. Me too, me too. All right, brother, I, I still have that one uh, little, like, it was like a, it was a banded grappling uh, kind of a conditioning. Yes. Yeah. Try that out, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you the results. Um, Please do, man. Remember what um, Chris was showing us when he, like, he got that real thick band against the wall, and he kept trying to get tighter and tighter and tighter, and Dave kept, like, pulling him and pulling him. Remember that? It was set up the same way. The band was set up the same way. And I'm trying to do the same thing, but with coiling. Yeah. And you're in front of the hip, right? You're not behind it because you're seated on your butt. Yeah. I try to get both. Remember Dave taught us quadrants. Okay. Right. Okay. I try to get, I try to get both just now. Again, I'm, I'm exploring it and I'm playing with it. I'm learning it. Uh, I'm learning it for the first time. It's super cool. All right. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Um, Alex, let's keep in contact. I got to get going to work, so I will talk to you soon. Have a good night. Have a great night, man. Thank you so much, dude. Peace.